is the Schaefer Baseball Report, an inside look at America's pastime. From Little League all the way to the big leagues. Now here's your host, former Major League infielder Jeff Schaefer. We're live. All right, welcome everybody. Schaefer Baseball Report Friday edition. Uh, Andrew One Tools Ike here. Good to see you again, like I Good see you every you. day. With this, some days we've been missing each other. I mean, you've been staying home, working from home a little bit more. And yeah, every now and then. Just need, if I need to just go heads down and get a lot of stuff done. I know. It's a, yeah. a lot of distractions. We're in a fishbowl up here, man. We look out the window and there's yeah, baseball and, and everything going on. You just cut grass or put clay down. How about the field, huh? Oh, the fields are looking good. Yep. Yeah, well, the fields are looking very good. Um, and then we have the lights coming in uh, in March for the other two fields. So we had big field lit. Uh, the small field and the middle school field is going to be lit. Concrete uh, indoors going down. done, concrete going down. A lot, a lot of things happening again. We've done everything in stages through here, mm-hmm. and uh, you know when the money was there, we did it. And now there's, uh, and now we get all the capex out of the way, and then the programming will start. That's what, that was our meeting this morning. You know what we're going to do with uh, with CMR and uh, You Deserve a Chance Foundation, our two nonprofits out here that uh, we'll start doing. We'll do our free All Star game, yeah, which is yeah, that uh, uh, that's a lot of fun. We'll do uh, an HBCU showcase out here we'll do the spring break uh the not whole spring break um you know for schools primarily that that never get the opportunity to do that the oberries the west max Mm -hmm. west charlotte's uh which is which is a a good experience for them and a good opportunity for them they just you know those schools don't get the same things that the south charlotte schools get um so we're uh looking forward to that uh you threw something at me this morning that was pretty interesting yeah That's crazy. So um, NCAA, and we'll talk to uh, our guest. It's Alex Guerrero, and he's a first-year head coach at Radford, first year as a head coach overall. Uh, Wontaw, Long Island boy. So okay, uh, that's I got to bring up something. New these York last, these man- last four weeks, it's been all New York guys. Dude, you I want some like spice? Minority. I mean, you listen to all these other podcasts. They're like, you know, and you did, you know, I mean, like, it, I say y'all it comes you with guys flavor. Like at me funny. Comes with flavor. So we, we're educating you, man. You we make fun of like so Alex will say water, right? Yeah. Well, it's probably say, not as like bad as you. No, why? You, you right. got like two A's at the end. I know. So does he. He's only like he only grew up like you know twenty minutes from me. So absolutely. And then we had we had Zoe from from the Bronx. Yeah. You know. Oh, well, you uh, had Fournay. Alex oh, Fournay. Yeah. yeah, and he had the NIL and yeah, you know the NIL is something we should bring up when uh, when we bring <laughs> Alex on. So, but the, so you brought up the uh, NCAA yeah. starting with the class of twenty twenty three. Mm-hmm. This year and going forward, no more standardized testing required for entry into the college level. Yeah, so it's good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when when Alex comes on, we'll bring that. Uh, we'll bring that little flyer picture I took up. Yeah, it's, it's really really cool to dissect and see kind of what's what's taking place and kind of lowered the requirements for everything. I, you know what? Yeah, and again, it, it, you lower the requirements, but you know. I don't understand the standardized testing to begin with. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's not, uh, you have to prepare for it separately really to score. Well, I mean, mm-hmm. it's just not, it's not a test that you walk in. Although I want to, I want to brag a little bit. My grandson, Aiden, that's 18, just turned 18 or get, no, I'm sorry. Just turned 16, uh, walked into the standardized testing, the SATs in New York and scored 1250 and never even looked at a book or anything. Mm-hmm. So he's a rain man. He's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And then he's six foot four and he tap dances. So he's in the place. You see that? It you sounds see like he, no, I haven't seen that. Oh, dude, you gotta see him. Like legs and arms going everywhere, and all these other people are doing like short strokes, and he's he's everywhere. But yeah, I went up and watched him be. He was in the. Uh, they did the uh, the rendition of Forty uh, Second Street. Oh yeah. Um, at the Bridgehampton cool. Theater up there and uh, up in uh, Long Island last week. So 
Um, so yeah, this, that, that, that'll be interesting to talk to Alex about that. Um, and then uh, we'll bring up the NIL a little bit. Yeah. So what about the hall of fame? Hall of fame. I mean, a lot, a lot to dissect with that. I mean, there's a lot of, you could have, Hey, traded this guy for that. It's, it's every year though. I know every year there's always like, Oh, this guy should have got in this guy should have got yeah. in. Yeah. So, I mean, I like Scott Rowland. Yeah. There's guys in that position with greater numbers yeah. along the way that I don't, he doesn't match up to it. So one of them, is Greg Nettles, right? And I was talking to Al Daspin about this the other day, and I said, my opinion is there's too many Yankees in the Hall of Fame, right? So they're not, you know, so if you're kind of that bubble guy like uh, Nettles is, he doesn't get he doesn't get elected by the – now, I don't know what his personality is with the writers because the writers pick on these things all the time, right. you know? So it, a lot <laughs> depends in the locker room. I've been in those locker rooms, like, you know, guys that the writers hate or they hate the writers, and then there's just this turmoil. And then there's guys, like, you know, that they, they enjoy talking to, um, especially like myself, who never got in. So every every year yeah, this time should, I go yeah, I go into should. depression for a day. Like, how could you not take a career 203 hitter into uh, the Hall of Fame? What, two home runs? I mean, that's, that's – yeah. Two home runs in five years? Yeah. 203 lifetime. Yeah, I mean, that's those are not those are not HOF numbers. I mean, I thought they would be. I thought, I, you know, so and a man, you know, you're an idiot, Jeff. You're <laughs> <of> <laughs> so, but a lot, a lot, a lot of uh, a lot of respect for Fred McGriff. I thought he should have been in yeah, a lot sooner. Was, yeah, you know, I mean, he's he's been a, he was a dude, he was fun to watch. You know, those guys that, um, you know, we see them all the time and, and people miss on players, certain players because of this reason is that smoother, smoother deceives people, right? Guys that glide, guys that move a certain way, guys that swing. No, doesn't necessarily look like there's great bat speed. Corey Seager is one of them, yeah. right? Corey Seager has unbelievable bat speed, yeah. um, but it doesn't look like he's swinging hard, yeah. but he's got greater bat speed than everybody else Effortless, in the big leagues. Yeah. And McGriff was that way. Everything he did was so smooth. You know, there was no max effort to anything. That uh, you kind of look at him, go, oh, you know, doesn't look like he's putting much effort in. Right. Um, you know, we've had we've seen players along the way that you got to explain to guys that are recruiting our athletes that you know this guy glides, he's smooth, he's not, you know, don't don't mistaken that for not hustle because he's moving easier than everybody else. It's a well oiled machine, yep. and that was Fred McGriff. But I watched video of rolling at third base. Now his offensive number is pretty good. He was a consistent third baseman. Yeah, but he's no, he's so far from Arenado. Oh, Arenado, you know, ridiculous. Well, uh, you know, I mean, uh, or Machado over there. Yeah, Machado I mean, too. not even, not even remotely close yeah. to uh, to that. So it's funny. It, it's interesting that you know we talk about it every <clears throat> year that the criteria to getting into the Hall of Fame is going to change. Is it too hard to get into the Hall of Fame right now? You know. I, the numbers have been set so long ago. So, so the, let's let's talk about the game. Guys would come into the league and they'd play 14, 15 years, almost, right. you know, I mean, a long time, right? So you had a, you had a chance to uh, accumulate numbers. Look at Don Sutton, right? Don Sutton's got 300 wins. If you saw Don Sutton pitch, you'd go like, this guy throws doo-doo, man. This is pus. Like, how does he have 300 wins? But he pitched for 20-something years. Yeah. So he got the 300, he gets into the Hall of Fame. Is he a Hall of Fame athlete? Is he a, No, he had longevity. Right. So he got in based on longevity. So the guys that had longevity set the numbers, high numbers. Right. Okay. Now you got to look at it and go, guys aren't playing as long. They're playing 10 years, 12 years, maybe. You know, uh, you look, you're going to lose. Uh, they'll never be a 300 winner again. Never again. Because they're coming out in the fifth. You pitch five, you give me less than 100 pitches, you're out. Right. Yeah. You don't see the guys going into 
100 pitches a game, 120, you know. I mean, you go back and talk to Jim Palmer and, and Nolan Ryan and guys like that. They pitch games where they're 140, 150 pitches in to get the W. No, I'm not coming out, you know. And now the theory of, you know, two times through the lineup, third time is iffy, you know. Yeah. If you get through the third time, great. Um, you know, they don't look at they don't look at uh they don't look at things statistically as far as defense goes anymore, like they did with Ozzie Smith. I genuinely believe that Omar Vizquel should be in the big leagues. You win eleven gold gloves. Being the I mean being the being Hall of Fame. Hall of Fame. <laughs> I like, he he did it right in the big leagues. I made him that way too, because I was playing behind him and yeah. I forced him to be oh, that yeah. good. He was yeah. scared because two oh three, two home runs, you better do some damage, yeah. buddy. You got to. Or you're least, not gonna get on the field of me runs. sitting on the bench, right? right? Um but you have 11 gold gloves. You're a Hall of Fame middle infielder at mm-hmm. shortstop, right? I mean, that's, you know, his fielding percentages are off the charts. I mean, highlight films of this guy are phenomenal. How is that guy not in the Hall of Fame? Yeah. But, you know, he had some issues off the field. Writers didn't necessarily like, I, you know, Omar was a cocky dude, you know, and he was cocky to everybody. It was just how he was. You either liked yeah. it or you didn't. Um, that's the part. I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of with the writers and stuff like that. It's like. NFL, I think they're too widespread. They let a lot of guys in. Yeah. Or the NBA and MLB, I think, are pretty on par with, like, they're really picky. Right. But I think it should be opened up a little bit. Like, there's some guys that they, they miss on, and it's like they never have a chance to get back in. I, I agree. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's just, I mean, it, it gets to a point, then you got to hope that the uh, that the uh, the alumni, yep. you know, um, vote you in. But, you know, there's there's definitely certain guys. I mean, there's guys I'm happy for that, thrilled for that, deserve it because they're good guys to put up numbers, like Jim Tomey. You yeah. know, I mean, that's that's one of the best. But then, you know, you look at the guys that are not in, right? And you go back, and you say, well, Pete Rose should go in, and we have this conversation you and I every single year. Yeah. And my take is, put him in, just don't let him speak. Don't let him get up. Just like put a bust in there. Tell Pete you're in the <laughs> Hall of Fame. You don't have to put your little table down the road from HOF from the Hall of Fame. Now you can. You know, you can sit up on the podium with everybody, but you can't say a word. What about steroid era? Um, well, Pete Rose and Shoeless Joe Jackson are the two that I think should definitely right. be in there. You know what? I, I listen. We all had opportunities at that time to do to do it, right? Sure. And I think I probably lost a year or two not doing it for guys that came up behind me that showed up. You know, the next year bigger, stronger, and whatever, and um, you know, and just put up better numbers at that point, obviously, but. Uh, I, I just, you know, that's enhancing, you know what I mean? That's enhancing. And yeah. I just, I just, uh, I don't believe it. I don't believe Roger Clemens should get it, ever get in. Listen, there'll always be a piece in the hall of fame about the st- steroid era. So they're, they're in right. My, my, my name's in there on the lineup card with the first Griffey Griffey game. I'm in the hall of fame, dude. Yeah. You know? Um, but was I ever inducted into the hall of fame? No, I don't think they should be inducted into the hall of fame. I don't okay. think Alex Rodriguez should sniff a day in the hall of fame i just i don't i just and you know what there's a lot of guys and i and you know and i'm not throwing out names that people don't know uh about but uh, you know bgo is one of them that they talk about it's a long island dude that you know that guerrero would know growing up that uh you know they say it all the time but he was never caught never proof right um you know so i don't know bagwell was another one they say bagwell you know the two houston guys that got in that were, were juicers um, I saw it all over the place. I didn't ever saw, and I honestly, I can genuinely tell you that I never saw anybody being injected, but I saw bodies change like I've never ever seen before. Okay, and so on that point, should the Astros keep their World Series? No, not a chance. My my no. thing is, if the Astros keep it, then they should be able to let some of those people in the Hall of Fame with an asterisk. 
Let, the, it, let who in the Hall of Fame? Pete Rose and Shoeless Joe Jackson? You're talking about the juicers. Yeah, the juicers. Yeah, I'm not, oh. not, not like all across the board, but I mean, some of the guys who obviously stuck out more than others, I think should be able to go in if they're, yeah, keep, if they're just, keeping it, the it's Astros. So, it's, it's tough because you can't, you, 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 you know, those are suspected juices, right? right? I mean, like BGO and Bagwell never got caught. Right. You know, um, to this day, realistically, Bonds hasn't been caught, you know? Yeah. Right? Yeah. He hasn't. So, you know, that's a defense there. So either you're all in or you're all out, uh, to, to the point. I wouldn't put an asterisk ne next to anybody. I never understood the asterisk next to Roger Maris's number just because there were some more games played or whatever. But you know what? You still had to hit 61, brother. Yep. You know, pretty stout. Well, I just think if they keep the Houston Astros with the World Series, then they, there needs to be something adjusted because there's obvious well, yeah, cheating. That, I mean, oh, no, it's been caught. It's been, yeah, you know, so, it's so it's like yeah. if they're going to like promote, hey, they won the World Series. And well, why you know, they, the thing's out, the best second baseman's in the game right now. Altuve's at the top. Yeah. So when it comes time for the for the Hall of Fame, does Altuve get right. voted in? Right. Mm, exactly. I'd hate that. That's tough. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's so. that's where I see it. It's like there's a they have a whole mess right now with that with that coming up so yeah i don't know man listen i'm gonna, I'm gonna be dead soon you guys figure it out that's <laughs> freaking I'm, I'm heading out so all right so we're gonna uh we got a special guest today as usual another new yorker which i love um another new yorker that is in head coaching down here in the south uh he has taken over the the the, the job at university uh, radford university in virginia which i've always believed had a ton of potential up there and for whatever reason, they, you know, they battled along the way for a period of time. They had no lights. You know, that's a big piece of the, the recruiting process as well. Uh, but we've been up there. They have a good indoor facility. They got a great uh, brand new turf field. The stadium is good. The area is good. Um, I just never understood why it just didn't flourish the way it did yeah. uh, or where it should have. But, um, you know, it's a big part of it that is always, you know, who's in charge. And uh, I think they got a great person here. I've known Alex for a while. Um, got to know him when he was at JMU. Um, and he is an alumni of Radford, too, which is pretty cool. So an alumni has come all the way back and gone home, and now he's going to uh, he's gonna run the ship and, you know, uh, hopefully put that guy on the map and get to a regional and, you know, see where it goes. I think yeah. there I think there was uh, – there's a lot of parity, and we'll bring this up with that. I think there's a lot of parity coming between um, – mid-majors and power fives now you know if you go back and you look at the you know the ecus and the coastals in the past that have gotten you know deep into uh yeah. regionals um you know there's there's several i mean stony brook won it one year i mean how does that happen you know yep. and um you know that's from our neck of the woods where uh, where alex and i grew up so uh but let's uh, let's bring on alex alex guerrera head coach at radford university and uh, alex appreciate you taking the time today to to jump on board uh with us at the Schaefer baseball report and Thanks for having uh, us. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. my accent, Andrew. Is I think if I'm gonna say water, I think it's it's gonna I'm gonna roll off the tongue probably more like I've been in Virginia my whole life. Shape, I apologize. <laughs> I think my Long Island accent is kind of uh, just diminished. In my so, time. but when you go home though, when and I you're around home, the boy when yeah. I go home, I get made fun of as if I'm been in the South the whole long. The whole <laughs> oh time. no! Yeah, they look at me and they're like, "What are you saying?" So oh, that's well, that's unfortunate. Well, I guess, so I, guess so I, I think purpose. we might have to end this conversation right now. Alex, good talking to you. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> when, when I get fired up, it comes out. I'll tell you that. Yeah. When I get when our preseason poll came out, I, I think the Long Island in me definitely the accent came out. 
That's no, sure. so yeah, it, it doesn't change. My mother-in-law that, that lives with us, obviously Smithtown, New York, my wife from Oceanside, myself and Patchog. And uh, you know, sometimes I, our boys don't even understand what we're saying. So it's, it's yes, it's uh but so the journey, man, from from Wontaw. Yep. Um, so you know, and I and I, I always ask this question: the recruiting process for you to get down to Radford oh, off of Long Island. Give give us a little insight about that because obviously the recruiting processes have changed uh, over Immensely. over time. Well, I'll tell you this. First off, there was no recruiting process for me mm-hmm. um, back in the day. And Shafe, it's nice to be able to talk to somebody who's going to know some of these teams that I'm going to say now. But back in the day when I was growing up, there were really two teams. It was the Bayside Yankees yeah. and it was the Long Island Tigers. And if you made one of those two teams, it was like it was a big deal, mm-hmm. a huge deal. Um and when we played travel ball, it was – you played in the tri-state area. There was, you know, East Cobb. I don't even know if it was around – definitely not to the extent that it is now. Um, but you played in tournaments, you tried to win. You know, right. growing up, up until I would say my junior year of, of high school, we played on our local Babe Ruth team. And you played in tournaments, and you had to win that tournament to extend your summer. Um. And there wasn't a ton of exposure at that time. You know, during the fall, you played football. During the winter, you played basketball, you wrestled, or you got ready for baseball season. Camps were very, very seldom. So the recruiting process was very, um, very, very green for a lot of people. I was undersized. I was not a guy that was going to go and blow, blow the charts with metrics. You know, I wasn't a six-six runner. You know, I was just a solid player, but nothing's really jumped off the page. I did a baseball factory workout, and they sent out my video to a bunch of a bunch of schools, and I played um, Division three baseball for two years. Went to Greensboro College, and I went there because the assistant at the time sent me a handwritten note, and I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. <clears throat> And it felt uh, for some, I just had a really good connection with them and I felt wanted. And I went down there and, you know, I had a, I had a solid experience for two years there, um, but had an opportunity to play in a summer league um, going into my junior year of college. And I did well, I performed. And I was fortunate enough to be around, you know, a coach that um, believed in me and pushed me and he knew that I wanted to to play at the highest level and was able to put me in touch with some people. And at the time, Coach Rakuya had just gotten the job from Radford. He just finished his first year. Uh, he just came from the University of, University of Alabama and they needed an infielder. And this was like July. School starts in like three weeks. I didn't know where I was going to live. I didn't know anything about Radford. I didn't know where I was. Um, and to be honest, my mom was like, listen, he's from New York. He's Italian. He's probably, you know, he's probably going to be take care of you. Um, Coach, at, Anderson, least you, at least you knew you were going to eat good. That's true. <laughs> we definitely, we, we would eat good every single, every winter when we'd have our team uh, Christmas dinner. That's for sure. Um, but no, I, you know, I took a shot. BA came to watch me play. I had a good game. He offered me a walk on spot in the parking lot and I went and called my dad 
and I committed like seven minutes later. There was no visit. There was no like, let me think about it. It was, I just want an opportunity to play and compete and, and earn a spot. And it's funny, you have these forks in the road when you go through your life. And that was really the first one, really the second one, because I first had to decide to go to Greensboro. Um, and even though it didn't work out yet, you had this really, th this pinnacle decision to make. Um, and you just kind of bet on yourself. And it was the best decision I ever made with the least amount of information possible. Um, Isn't that amazing? You, you know, you talk about this because there's a couple points that you brought that I'm going to bring up in this conversation. But, you know, how many how many kids don't bet on themselves, right? Um, now it's just you know they they're so used to playing on pay for play teams and they show right. up and you know and and they're they're supposed to be in the lineup all the time and then all of a sudden some adversity hits and they don't understand how that you know if you don't believe in yourself you don't you know you don't you don't jump forward you know you're talking about the um you know the Bayside Yankees obviously we all knew about the Bayside Yankees um uh and the Long Island Tigers I played in the Connie Mac there you go up. so it was uh, we were Port Jeff A's and we won uh the county mac world series out in farmington new mexico yep. but to your point the difference was you know we were playing in we were playing for standings right we were playing for a place to play and move on and then we want to go play okay county mac stuff county is going to go play nassau county and then you get through nassau county and then you get to the states and all the guys from new york and then next thing you know you're heading out to farmington new mexico to your point i mean that's so you played every inning of you know you never took an inning off because you were trying to climb through and continue your summer correct um, where now it's these four games on the weekends and, you know, we'll hear from Charlotte and say we're down on the coast and it's Sunday at four o'clock and you got that last game. These guys just want to go home because they got a three hour, four hour drive. Yep. So they're not really playing for anything. And then everybody's gone. You know, that's the other part that drives me nuts. Alex is that, you know, we, you're, you're a diamond rat. Like I was, I mean, you know, we were undersized. We had, we made the most of everything we had and we got opportunity and we grabbed it. Um, but we, um, we played cause we love the game, man. You know, it just it, I just want to play. I just want to play, right? And personally, I played. I you know my my goal was I'm going to play this game until somebody takes my uniform off me. So somebody says I can't play anymore. Unfortunately, I got into pro ball, and you know I played till I was almost 35. But I could I told my my wife the other day I could I could have spent 15 years in AAA and would have been happy. No would have left the game because I got to play that long. And you know the other thing too, Shafe, that I I, I want to make a point of as well is like you know part of like your story as a player is the environment that you're around as well. And me growing up playing with the same type of the same kids that I played middle school, high school, and summer ball with. Um. Oh, thank you. Sorry. The same type of the same kids, you know, were. That builds yeah. a tremendous amount of character, um, the blue collarness that you're playing for each other, mm -hmm. and that type of mindset and work ethic, like it just gets instilled with you forever. And um, you know, when you, I'm not going to be one of those coaches going to dog travel ball because I think there's a lot of advantages and it's, there's a tremendous amount of wonderful opportunities that travel ball provides for kids. And it, I mean, I wish I was able to play in at in, Lake in Point in front of you know, a hundred college coaches. It's great. But there's also some elements of the things that we grew up in that are missing of the competitiveness, the care, the joy, um, the pride that you take in, in who you're representing. You know, it's, you're playing. It's, like, it's just so, and I, and I asked this question, I'll ask him because I know, I know what his answer is. You grew up on Long Island. How many fights were you in, in your life growing up? 
Literally, just fights. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, right. Yeah. So now he has. Now we now we come down. We go and I'm not. I'm not saying everybody go out and have a fist fight. Oh yeah. Hey, but we learn. I mean, you got your ass handed to you. You got you got a kick, or you were doing the kicking, right, one way or yes. another. But you were in a fight all the time. You understood how to fight. You, when you're down and somebody's beating on you, you're gonna figure out how to get out of there. Um, now you say, how many kids here have been in a fight? Raise your hand. Nobody, right? Okay, or maybe three guys, and I'll say, okay, how many of those three that are there? You can't count fighting your brother, okay? And they all put their hand down, you know? So it's a different story. So you're right. It's a different mentality, played for different things. I just, you know, that part, that piece there, the athlete to me is bigger, stronger, faster than it's yes. ever. It's going to continue Everything. to get that way. They, These guys, I don't think you and I have a chance, right? No. You know, um, no. you know, we're, we're 155 pounds. We're, you know, we're going into division one programs where, you know, how do we get, how do you fight through that? So the, the athlete is better. But to your point, the guys that we played, we were playing with, we grew up with, we understood, we knew how to play. Our instincts were better. You know, we were figuring out how to win games, not how to get through the weekend. Yeah, like uh, there was no, you know, if you had to, I know baseball is different. The game, the the analytics, the metrics, the different decisions that you make as a manager or a coach, right? And especially now, like in travel ball, like you don't see many guys bunting or playing small ball. But like growing up, like if, my coach gave me the bond sign. Like I wasn't going to like shrug my shoulders or call time and make him do this. Like, you know, the, like the polite way of like calling time and going like this, like, I don't want to bunt. Like, yeah. can you think about it again? Type of thing. Like you just did, <laughs> you just did it. Yeah. Um, and those are things that are, are at times I think missing. Um, yeah. This but, is, this, this conversation is going to go in many different directions right now. Cause I love it yeah. because you know what, again, when you get, when you get these guys on campus, right. So you're going to go evaluate an athlete that's in a combine yeah. and he's going to make four throws to third from the out. I mean, you know, two to third, two to home from the outfield, take five ground balls, whatever. You may see him in a game or two. He does certain things. And then that's, that's the skill set, right? So we can grade out the skill set. And now with the metrics too, wow, he throws the ball across the diamond 88 miles an hour, 90 miles an hour, you know, his, his, his rotation on his break, all this other stuff. But um, when we, uh, when, when we, we don't see the baseball player, right? So you get on, this kid gets on campus, this kid gets on campus. Now you got to teach him how to play the game. Well, that's where we succeeded or a lot of guys in our era and your era, whatever that, that, you got on campus and you, you knew how to play the game. So you, you had a legitimate chance of getting, getting on the field. I mean, you were competing because the game is played different at the college level than it is a pro level. The game is played different on the showcase level than it is a college level. Shafe, the other thing too, man, is like how many baseball games did you watch growing up? W-O-R, W-P-I-X, brother. Listen, I grew up watching yep. like Keith Hernandez and Ron Darling, not Ron Darling, Keith Hernandez and, um, my goodness, he just passed Jeff away. Schaefer, Jeff Schaefer. He's Jeff Schaefer, of course. <laughs> well, I, I mean, every night, like, I'm watching a Met game with my dad. Yep. And I'm not watching it from, you know, a couple innings and then staring at my phone and doing this. Like, we're watching it from the yep. first to the ninth or if it goes to extra innings. And you're watching and you're visually seeing so many different situations that come up. And when you're growing up watching the game – you don't really realize it until those things translate when you're actually playing and you have that memory bank of information visually of what you saw and what to do. Guys don't watch baseball as much anymore. No, I have, I have a theory. I have, I have a theory on that. And it's not, not because they, it's because everybody has too many TVs in their house. So we had, I didn't grow up with 
20 TVs in the house. We had a TV in the living room and there was a little tiny black and white TV in the yep. bedroom. So whatever, whatever my family was watching, which was usually baseball, that was on every night. And that's yeah. what you came back. And that was that time that was, you know, that's where it was. So nobody could go anywhere or do anything. Now the kid can go on his watch and go on his iPhone. He can go right. everywhere else except watching the game. And they don't watch the game when they do watch the game to, um, God, we're beating the heck out of these guys. And I don't want to do this overall, but, you know, position wise, like I was, you know, Willie Randolph was, I, I loved Willie Randolph. Thurman Munson and Willie Randolph, my guys, I grew up a Yankee fan. I couldn't, you know, I would watch, especially if I went to a game. I did. My eyes weren't all over the game. My eyes were, what is Willie Randolph doing? How does he, you know, how's he, you know, double play situation, bunt situation? What is he doing? That doesn't take place. Everything no. is cookie cutter, right? right. We got to teach everything to these kids. Yeah, we're doing double cuts here today. We're doing like just a light review because we're going to start inner squad next week and all down the line. And our third baseman is like going out for double cut. And I'm like, where are you going? Well, for double cut to home. I said, you don't leave third base. Yeah. And I'm just like, we have to, you, you got to review everything. And the scary part is I'm mean, playing three weeks, you know, and yeah. not to call the, call the kid out or nothing. Yeah, like that. I mean, at the end of the day, that's, those are the things as a coach that you just, you have to be aware of and you just have to prepare for it. Um, the detail, the details are going to win the game. Are, yeah. And, and those yeah. little details that they're not reviewing consistently as much because of what the culture of what they're playing in the summer is. It's I'm going to go out and I'm going to get mine and I'm going to showcase myself. And if I don't, because I know that if I don't line up in the right spot, I'm not going to get like, I'm not going to not get recruited. But if I go hit, if I go three for four with three doubles, then I'm going to get recruited, even though I don't know where to line up. I don't know what to do on a bump play. Like, um, yeah, that's a you know the the flipping rock stuff like that is it's it's different. And again, it's, I, I sound like I sound like a grumpy old freaking you know like I'm anti you know travel showcase. I'm, I'm not anti. I'm saying I want kids to play, and I, I I get the I get the landscape of it. But you know we're talking about the travel. The, the more people now, and and the portal has become is is just as bad now, right? The portal being open as as it is is. Like you said, we grew up, we played with the same guys that we played with all the way through. If I went, I went to Maryland and I think if I went to Maryland and I wasn't a starter for four years, I wasn't a starter. I was staying on the team. I was, I was going to be a part of the team because that's the culture that we grew up with. The culture now is like, I'm not happy. My dad's not happy. I'm going to pick up, I'm going to pack up and I'm going to go play on this team or that team, or this team's got more, uh, you know, going to get me more attention than, you know, I mean, it's just, right. there's too much freedom. In, you know, in, I'm, in, well, I'm glad you brought that up because I'm going to – here's my theory on the transfer portal. Um, I actually – I don't hate the transfer portal. One, because I'm somewhat of a – I'm a byproduct of um, the pre-transfer portal. And it was a situation where I had nothing against my coaches. I love my coaches at Greensboro. I still talk to them. Um it was just a situation where for me, I wanted something a little bit different. Mm -hmm. And I think with kids, we have, I believe on our team now, I think we have six or seven kids that we got in the portal that were transfers over, over the summer when I got the job and all six or seven of them are an unbelievable fit for us. They're going to contribute. They're great kids. They have skill. 
sometimes when you're in an environment that doesn't for nobody's fault just doesn't work the freedom for them to go somewhere else to be successful is fine coaches we can up and go whenever we want and from a financial standpoint or fit standpoint whatever like we can up and leave and for me i think the the opportunity to go to a school graduate as well and then you have success at that school and go somewhere else because you want to pursue a degree um, or you just grew up a, a fan of a school and you have an opportunity to play there like what's wrong with that i don't think there's anything wrong with that the, the one that would get me is you come to a mid-major nobody believes in you we develop you we get you better we're putting you in a position to achieve all your dreams and then you go ah, i'm out right that sucks right that would suck right so i'm, I'm not i'm not i'm not I get the transfer portal, but I did like the old rule where you had to sit out a period of time. So there is a consequence yeah. to your decision, right? So now there's no like, and the other part that's difficult for you guys is that a guy can enter the transfer portal and not go anywhere, right? So you're holding money for this guy. And he's like, yeah, coach, I'm in the transfer portal. And, uh, you know, and then a the day before the season or the day before practice goes, yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to go to this school and you're out. So there's, it's still kind of, it's, it's a little bit, it's, it's, it's still, still a little area. lax. There's, there's a gray area yeah. in there. Right. So, there's a little you know, I mean, there's gotta be a consequence to each, each decision, but I get it. Listen, if you, if you got a chance to go somewhere else and we see it a lot with football more than anywhere else, right. These quarterbacks that get backed up. That's, that to up, me is unbelievable. It's amazing to me. And then they end up in the NFL and they're superstars. Yeah, right. I mean, you know, look at uh, the, the guy from Cincinnati that uh, Joe Burrow. Yeah. Say the same with Jalen Hurts. Yeah, it hurts as well. Yeah. I mean, these these guys. So, I mean, so yeah. Hopefully, it 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 does work out. And uh, um, now, you speaking know. of the transfer portal, Alex, do you think that with the transfer portal being such a big thing now, has that closed the gap a little bit between mid major and your your power five D ones? All yes. this can spread down to D two D three. I think I 100%. think it's, yeah, everyone's benefited off of it. One hundred percent. I think mid majors are going to benefit the most. I, th I think it's going to become a trickle down effect. I think the only people that it would, I, I don't necessarily think it will hurt power fives because a, a lot of times it's going to, you're going to get those kids that are really good at the mid majors that are going to then move up. And then you're going to get those guys from the power fives that don't play or don't have a lot of success. And then they go back down or a guy at our level that, doesn't play much, then he goes to a D2 or D3. And then you're going to get the D2 or D3 kid that's had a lot of success but may not be a Power 5 guy but could play Division One. me being an example. Um, I think it all comes down to the fit for the school, for the kid. Um, I do think it's creating some more parity for sure. I mean, you're, you're getting older guys with some college experience of just being in a college program. Look, freshmen – High school kids that are coming from high school and coming into college as freshmen, it's hard to play every day. Right. Yeah, it's right. hard. The yeah. everyday grind, the routine, you're missing class. You don't have mommy and daddy waking you up, doing your laundry, doing all these things. It's um, it's tough. Like you've got to be very self sufficient and mature and disciplined and organized and have a routine. And getting guys that have been there, even though they may not have had a lot of success but they have some skill changing their environment, coaching them differently. And, you know, we're seeing that every day firsthand with, with some of our guys and it's been great for us. So I can't necessarily sit here and say that the portals, you know, a negative thing. I think that there is some 
like to your point, Shave, I think there is some gray area with it for sure. And there, there's, there are some scary situations that can happen, but ultimately for us, I believe in, in our program, our staff, the culture that we're building. And I'm not afraid of, of a kid having a lot of success as a freshman and being afraid that he's going to leave because I believe wholeheartedly that the things that we're going to do to make them the best player that they can be and create a tremendous experience for them that they're not going to want to leave. And you just got to bet on yourself and you got to bet on your program and the things that you're doing. And, and also, and I think it also starts with recruiting. Like I think the kid that is going to come to Radford, like they're not coming. I want them to come to Radford because they want to be at Radford. They want to be coached by us and they want to be around this type of environment, not Radford's my last choice. I'll just go there because it's the last division one school. That's where you're going to get in trouble when you don't recruit the right kid in the right family. And then they have success. And then that loyalty has gone. As opposed so now, to- so, so now Alex, you know, in the recruiting process, cause I do, I will talk to you cause I did text you this morning about a player that we have that, you know, that fits that MO that's mature or whatever, but the, um, the makeup now is evaluated greater from a high school kid going into college because of that reason right now one because you're stepping in you're playing against guys that are you know battle tested yeah you're, you're fighting for the the 22 23 the covid still has those the older guys in the league um you're bringing guys across that um you know that just that are more prepared to play you know than are that a freshman stepping on campus so the makeup of a, of a high school kid now is is critical it's right? critical. You can't just say like you're gonna go to college you're gonna take seven freshmen in or eight freshmen right. in now and you know, you know they'll they'll worry about it when you get there. Now you better fit the mo mentally, um, character wise, as well as uh, the physical piece. And I think from a yeah, absolutely, shape. That's a great point. And I think that's where you have to rely on on your contacts and the people that are coaching these kids. Mm-hmm. You know, Jeff Schaefer, Steve Miller. You know the organizations that we recruit from. They call you up and they call us up and say, "Hey, man, this kid can play." His makeup's off the charts. I love coaching him. He's going to help you. That makes me feel all warm and fuzzy inside, knowing that, you know, this kid can come here and we can coach the way we want to coach um, in a demanding but, you know, fun, energetic way. And we're going to push them, and they're not going to be afraid of that. And we know that they're going to help us win because we know the things that they're being taught while they're with yourself these other coaches um it's going to make us feel really good about making that decision yeah, there's a, there's that's where a, the makeup truly comes from because you don't really know because you're not able to watch these kids enough right you, you, so, you really so, got to make sure that these coaches that for us that we're getting our players from and and that's that's been the great thing we've gotten a lot of coaches a lot of players from programs and coaches that we know very very well so we know what we're going to get we're not going to be perfect we know what we're going to get for the most part. So obviously your staff is, you know, when you're, when you're interviewing your staff, they're going to come with the same mindset as you have. And, you know, players have to understand now it's, this is, it's not a kumbaya, you know, you, these guys have a job, right. And winning is paramount. Now it used to be some guys could sit in a college position and, and play 500 ball at best or a little bit better and never reach anything and have a job for 20 years. Now it's not, you know, now with all the attention from thinking social media and technology and all that, you know, winning is winning is important. Yeah. And, um, 
you know, you have to be prepared to step in there and, and help a team win right away. There's no, hey, give me four or five years to build a program. You know, you're taking over this program knowing that, there's, you know, you have the pressures of, and it's your makeup anyway. You're not taking a, a program just, hey, I just want a job and I'm going to move along. You're taking it because you think you can turn it into something that's going to be Absolutely. special for that area and special for all the players and the families that go there. Um, you know, the entitlement part, you know, for some of these kids, and we see a ton of kids that'll, that say they want to play college baseball and they get into that environment. And I tell them, this is a job, man. You're getting paid one way or another to be there, right? You're either getting a scholarship or you're getting academic money. There is a, there's a burden to that um, and a responsibility to that, that you better, you better be prepared. The other piece for us on the recruiting side, Alex, is that, you know, I know a lot of the coaches, right? I've been doing this for, you know, almost going on 18 years now. So we've met, I've met you and Ike and, you know, and, and Vaughn up at Maryland. I mean, we can go across the board and I know their personalities and it's, uh, you know, I can explain to the families, like, you know, this isn't going to be a soft scenario, man. This is, these guys, there's a demand to this and they're going to, they're going to break you down. And, and I've, you know, I mean, I've heard stories across the board where they'll literally like just tear a freshman down to nothing, almost like you're in the military, right? You're uh, you join the Marines or a green beret. They're going to make you feel, you know, this big when you're coming out of a scenario where you've been, I'm the God, I'm the man. And we were talking about this earlier about Dylan, my son, Dylan's injury, right? Yeah. You know, Dylan's been at the top of everything he's ever been. Now that he's, he's, he's rehabbing his, his, uh, his knee, he's, he's obsolete. He's not in the baseball world anymore. So now you got slapped down a little bit, you know, this is going to make you stronger or it's going to crush you. Right. And, uh, you know, you got to figure out the guys mentality wise who can move into a scenario and play for an Alex Guerrero, who could go play for Randy Hood, who could go play for a Godwin down at ECU that's tough as nails, right? Um, and then you find other scenarios where you know this guy, this guy, you know, he's he, he's not that hard ass. He's he's he, you know, your personality fits that go play here. So it's interesting. There's a lot of a lot of pieces that have to fit into a kid going to your program. Um, so again, I want to go back to the staff, same mentality, same makeup. Obviously, when you're when you're you're hiring these guys, um, you're laying your your vision on the line, and either they buy in or they don't. You know, the great thing about our staff is number one, I, I've had relationships with all four of them. I've known them. I thought that was really important for me as a first time head coach. Like I wanted to have guys that that knew me. You know, we all have quirks. We all have things that uh, we know jam us up um you know they're going to know my pet peeves they already knew them you know our pitching coach christian Bourne. i I recruited him when i was at radford as an assistant i went to jmu he committed to jmu we went in there together his freshman year was my first year coaching i've known him for the last 11 years he was the kid when i was an assistant we're in study hall like he's on the couch and he's asking me question after question about recruiting about coaching about this what about that he used to come on recruiting trips with me when i was when i was at jmu um I'd be on the phone for countless amounts of hours just talking about just what is coaching and what does it look like and um he's just done a tremendous job of developing he's one in my mind i think he's one of the best young pitching coaches in our area um and he was he's family for me um so it was a no-brainer to to have him, you know, be a part of our staff. And um, with Billy Funk, who's been to me, Billy Funk's another guy that defines our culture. You know, our culture is is being blue collar and being a family. Billy's about as blue collar as it gets. 
played in NAIA baseball, um, bounced around, was at Wingate, was, uh, was up at Shippensburg, was the recruiting coordinator at Lewisburg Junior College for five years. And you talk about a guy that is a grinder on the road. I mean, knows everybody from Richmond. Um, so he knows the state of Virginia, knows our area. Why is nobody hiring this guy as, as, to be a Division One coach? Well, he's been in junior college. You know, he's never had any Division One experience. And I was sitting there as we were talking to – as I was talking to different candidates, I'm sitting there going, like, why am I not, like, seriously considering Billy? Like, if Billy was a volunteer at said school, like, it'd be a no-brainer. What's the difference here? Like, he's – we're all watching baseball. He's coaching. What's the difference? He's coaching a lot of good players. He's developed a lot of good players at Lewisburg at a private junior college. Hard to get, and, and they won, and they had successful, very successful program. And you talk to the people that have been around Billy, like, and he checked every box. And, you know, there was an athlete, our athletic director, he gave me a job, and I've never had a Division One head coaching experience. So who am I to sit here and say, well, I want someone with Division One assistant coaches experience? That's ridiculous. Are you the best person for the job and you're the right fit? Those two guys are, um, you know, Seth Lancaster. He's our third assistant. Um, he now a third, a, a third assistant's paid now. Are we, are we, are they getting paid? If it's up to the school, if it's for the school, per the budget. Okay. Um, we're still kind of going through those, those talks right now. The other part too, is like, you're going to have to do it for softball as well. So, <laughs> It's not something to where it's like just for baseball. Like you have to no, make I sure. That yeah. No, I, I, yeah. It's a, the the NCAA throws a blanket on it. And uh, yeah, it's, 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 you know, make it tough for some schools for sure. From yeah. a budget standpoint. But wow. Seth, um, Seth had a story career coastal um, was an assistant at Longwood was an assistant at Georgia Southern. Yeah. He was a world, he's a, a college world series, right? He was, uh, yeah, I, I was, yeah, I remember that. Um, um you know, so I've got, you know, and Corey Singh, he's our ops guy. I coached him at JMU for our, for a year uh, before he transferred and went to Norfolk State. But four guys that have won, that have been in regionals, um, that have won championships, and they know what it takes. And they've got the same mentality. They're young, they're energetic, and they're loyal. And um, that was just – it was really important. I, I mean, I hit a home run with these guys. I'm so thankful and, and appreciative of the fact that – you know, they believed in me as a first-time head coach. Um, I, you know, there's a tremendous amount of responsibility for me, you know, to make sure I put them in the in the right position for them to be successful. They all have families. You know, Christian's having a baby. You know, so, five days. You know, so we had, I, we, had, we had this we had this conversation last week with uh, with Zoch, and um, you know, again, somebody gave you an opportunity to be a Division One head coach, right? No experience whatsoever. You've just been grinding it out and from a volley to uh, a recruiting coordinator to an on-field guy all the time. I mean, it's, uh, you know, and, and you're, you're providing that same that same opportunity. It's 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 like being a parent, right? Yeah, they're going to fly the coop at some point. You Hopefully that they're sitting at a D1 job as a head coach or doing something else, but it's, uh, you're going to raise them, you know, give them what knowledge you know, and then hopefully uh, – you know, it, it's well, painful was, at times. I'm sure, you know, yeah. I, I, I can't yeah. see you go, but yeah, you got to let them go. I was so fortunate to be around so many great coaches and mentors, um, you know, when I started into this profession. And, you know, you start with Terry Rooney, who gave me my first job at UCF. And the assistant coaches that were there, you know, 
Joe Mergadante and Ryan Klosterman and Kevin Schnall and Brandon Romans, um, and then having the opportunity to work alongside uh, Rich Witten, who him and I both got a head coaching job within 48 hours of each other, which was so cool. Um, and then going, coming to Radford, working, working for Coach Rakuya, um, being with Mark McQueen and Justin Willard, and then um, going and spending the last six or seven years at JMU, you know, with Ike and Jimmy, Daniel Bowman, um, just so having all those guys. Those are all good people you just rattled great off. Great people, you know, and then and they helped shape me into the coach and, and person that I am. And a lot of the, you know, you take a little bit of, from everybody within all aspects of it, the on-field part, the behind-the-scenes part, um, and you just kind of formulate it into your own style. And that's my job now is to help develop our assistant coaches um, and put them in the best position to be successful and, you know, talk to them about the things that worked well for me and talk to them about the things and the mistakes that I made. And hopefully they can learn from them and, and, and move forward. So, but I understand the position that I'm in as a head coach, not only being responsible for, you know, our players, but everybody in our program. And, um, you know, it, it's it's important I put them in a position to be successful and help teach them and guide them and give them direction. All right. Educational piece here for the parents and the kids, the kids that are listening. Um, how um, how positive social media can be and how negative it can be. It can, it's great, but it's also awful. <laughs> um you can use it in a tremendous amount of ways to learn, to get better, to grow, um, to improve your craft, to develop, to meet new people, contacts, this and that. You can also use it as a, it, it also can be a huge negative if you're you know, tweeting the wrong things, liking the wrong things. Um, if you're spending too much time just scrolling up and down, um, if you're looking for instant gratification on there, like it's um, there's positive negatives to anything. I think social media is. So how, 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 how much do you guys monitor that? Cause I've heard other coaches monitor it a lot. Um, you know, because it, you're giving them money, you're giving them money. Your, your reputation is on the line as much as their reputation, because yeah. you're offering somebody that, you know, might not be the best person. Um, well, so I, how we had a guys- conversation with a kid the other day, one of our committed guys, him, I called him up. I said, hey, man, you need to clean up your TikTok. Like some of that stuff is yeah. nothing like bad to the point where I'm going to pull his scholarship. Or, right. But hey, man, like you need to tighten that up a little bit. Like some of that's just like no feel. Like just be better. <clears throat> like I, I don't need to see some of those some of those videos. Like, you know. Yeah. So I would I – was- I would, uh, that's the social media piece, you know, as far as you getting the job there when you did it at Radford, that, uh, that position was probably highly sought after, you know, yes. I mean, it's a, a division one program, the facilities, you know, we were up there a couple of years ago, uh, before you got the job and, um, the indoor wasn't, the indoor was great. The structure was, but it just wasn't maintained. I saw pictures the other day. It looks beautiful. It's like yeah. you guys put some effort into getting that thing, you know, like uh, a big facelift on it. The, the yeah. playing surface is, is amazing. Um, so, yeah, so you got all the pieces to uh, to recruit the right way now. Absolutely. I mean, this is a tremendous, um, 
it's a tremendous program. We're very fortunate to have um, a lot of people support this place financially to put our put ourselves in a position to be able to attract really, really good players. Um, you know, our video board is state of the art. Um, we have tremendous amount of technology. We got TrackMan on the field. We got portable TrackMan. We're putting in a video system next week. We're upgrading our speaker system. Um, our indoor has got everything that you possibly need to get work in. Um, you know, we've got a state-of-the-art weight room. You know, we're doing some stuff in our locker room as well. Um, and the people around us, the support staff we have is is just phenomenal people that are really good at developing developing players. Um, get big, you guys got big league dugouts there too, man. They some are. Of the dugout, some of the best dugouts in college baseball right there. We're getting a facelift on those too as well. We're getting – got some new tracks in there. We repainted them. We're getting some logos in there. We need to get some new rubber in there as well. It's been jamming me up, but we'll, we'll who figure won the out. lottery. <laughs> yeah. Who got, who got in touch with the alumni? <laughs> who brought the alumni back? Been looking at them. Me. <laughs> oh, good job, man. That's a, uh, that's phenomenal. So, um, you know, uh, Ike has been a big part of, uh, you spent a lot of, a lot of years. Over yeah. There with Ike. And, uh, I did. One of, I, one of my it, favorite people out there. I've known him since I was, you know, we got Maryland, and it's a great. Uh, yeah. There's a great story about about Ike and, and I. Um, so Ike, and this, this is Marlon Ikeberry, the head coach at JMU. Yes. So when Ike was at VMI, he was the head coach. He coached third base, and I played third when I was at Radford. <clears throat> and obviously, Ike is. He loves to talk, and I love to talk. So we would spend three three games just BSing and talking in between pitches and in between innings and this and that. And we just developed like a really cool little relationship. And, um, you know, when the job opened up, it was obviously an opportunity to you know, do something different. Um, and we called, we talked, boom. And that was kind of, kind of it. And, you know, the great thing about Ike is, He's the same guy every day. Every single day, he was the same guy, and I, and I respected him tremendously for that. Um, just a, a really, really good person, um, and he allowed you as an assistant to coach. He allowed you to make mistakes, learn from them, and he would talk you through situations. Um, he always had your back, and he gave me a tremendous amount of freedom. Me and Jimmy, just a tremendous amount of freedom to have. Um, you know, a, a large say, you know, in the program. And, um, you know, we had, you know, we've had some really good teams, some good players there. And, and, you know, for last few years, we've had some, our roster has been really, really good. And it's just a shame that, you know, COVID kind of happened the way it did. And we lost some of those, those games and those reps. And um, because I, I really feel like that team was was on its way to being being really special. I'm excited about them going to the new conference. I think they're going to do really really well. Um, they got a great roster. We're playing them this year, which is going to be really cool. It's going to be weird, um, you know, with the relationships that I've had with, sure. with a lot of those players. For I mean, dating back to when they were recruited, um, and just seeing them on the other side of the dugout is going to be weird. But it's going to be a really cool, um, you know, just celebration of all of us. I mean, Christian played at JMU for four years, you know, so for both of us kind of going back and, and playing them, it, it's going to be a really cool, 
um, you know, two games that we played. So, so, some some um, of the best fights you've ever been in your life is is with your best friends. Absolutely, you know, I, and I, uh, and it's it's all you know. I, you're gonna battle like you like you hate each other when it's time, and then when it's over, you're gonna hug, and it's uh, you know, it's uh, listen. Ike's got to feel good because you know where you are today. I mean, you know, you talk about a little bit from everybody. He's a little bit in you. You know, Absolutely. as well as all these other guys in there, and uh, no the pride factor for him, him, it's like probably watching his son go do something. Uh, yeah, so something sure. pretty special. He was so supportive of it, and I mean, and and he's great about it. it's. It's nice to be able to go to when you work for somebody for that long and be able to go talk to him about these opportunities that come up. <clears throat> Excuse me, and he's just you know so helpful and supportive, and um, you know I'm I wouldn't be st- you know sitting here if it wasn't for Ike, you know, along with Joe and along with Coach Rooney. Um, and the other assistants I was with. So I'm very fortunate and appreciative of the people that have put me in position to be successful, you know, and, and I know that, and it's very, very important to me that I recognize that anytime anybody asks me about that, because, because they deserve it, you know, and it's, you can't get to where you, you get to without support of, of family, friends, close people, mentors. So, and it's what? important that you recognize that. What and that's a good good place. You know, we Andrew and I have this conversation all the time, and obviously, the older I get, the more it 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 it, it proves true. But the greatest gift we get out of this game is people, right? Yeah. And then we look back and you go, look what look what they did for me to get here, and you know, and and for the ones that don't feel like they could do something to give it together, or they're self serving and they just take from the game, those are the ones last, I, have, man. I have no no place for them. In, those in guys don't last. Uh, <clears throat> You know the the guys that you rattled off, you know, um, that have been a bit of big, big part of it. It's uh, it's phenomenal. We are, we pan for gold, right? We we stick it in the sand and we shuffle it through and we keep a nugget and keep a nugget and keep a nugget. And next thing you know, Absolutely. you know, and and hope and you're doing the same for those guys along the way. So it's a, it's a great succession. Absolutely. Um, and there's a lot of pride uh, all the way through it. So, Alex, man, I, I can't thank you enough for taking thank the time to uh, to be here with us. Uh, I'll reach back out to you, you know, about the other uh, yes. know, the player I was talking about. But, yep. and again, you know, we, we deal with guys like Alex and, and socialists. Present players, it may not fit, may not be whatever. There's no, no harm in it. Like, hey, you know, like them, don't, you know, don't see what you see. Great, man, move on. Here we go. And then we get back and we do it again, and uh, and that's what keeps uh, that that's what keeps our game healthy. It's uh, um, so you know. Uh, good luck to you and the staff this year. We're looking forward to seeing how this thing rolls out. I'm sure it's going to be great, um, and we'll be in touch, man. So thanks, Dave. Appreciate Andrew, the time, you guys. Thanks, thanks so much for having me. All right, see you, man. Appreciate- so what a what a what a good dude. You know, it's always 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 the guy that jumps up when you when you're somewhere, and you know. Finds just says hello. Yeah. Not the guy that kind of walks by and kind of, you know, hides. But uh, I, I, I'm wishing him the uh, tremendous success. Hey, maybe he'll run into Queens one of these days. Hey, you know, it's. Uh, but I think they maybe they'll run into Wilmington when Dylan's down in Wilmington. Yeah, that's you know? possible too. It'll be fun too, and maybe him and Dylan will be standing side by side <laughs> talking, and then Dylan's yeah. co- Dylan's coaching with him someday. Maybe. Um, you know, that'd be awesome. So let's a uh, quick cap of the week. We had great NIL. Yeah presentation now how many how many people looked at the 2500 videos so we had the players nil alex fournay come in here it's it's the players nil.com alex fournay uh fly down here and present to a a group of uh families and people that we had here in charlotte but we had it on facebook live Mm -hmm. and we are and and twitter Mm -hmm. and uh we're over 2000 2500 2500 views on that so listen i i say this 
because we have no dog in the fight, right? I'm not, I get nothing other than, you know, I think this is something very important for families is the players, NIL.com. Go check that website out, go get educated on the NIL. There's opportunity. NCAA is allowing players to make money and not lose lose eligibility right. now there's a lot of there's a lot of rules to it you know in terms of what you have to be careful with and you can get in trouble but um there's some people making some serious money and then there's people out there that are getting you know money from going to subway yep. and hanging out and doing things like that so that's 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 uh the players nil.com check that out our camps have been rocking yeah you know our, uh, hitting camp this weekend Mongero was phenomenal when mm-hmm. he was here hitting camp with Chris Fasami this weekend, who I think is one of the best hitting instructors out there. Um, you know, we've been a lot and that's not taken away from some of the other guys I know, but this, he's just got away, you know, and uh, I like the way he teaches uh, what he teaches. Um, that's gone on the, uh, the USA mm-hmm. baseball NCIS skills camp. Yep. Went off really well. Yep, that was last weekend. Yep. And then we're bringing in Springer next week. So mm-hmm. you guys are listening. You want to hear somebody talk about a mental approach you're hitting. You want to get another understanding, another piece that's not necessarily taught mm-hmm. uh, that is critical going forward, especially as you start to see better arms on the mound and you see, uh, you know, velo and spin rates that are different. Um, you better have an approach. And, uh, you know, the way that Springer presents it, it's it's entertaining and it's extremely educational, mm-hmm. uh, you know, for him to do that. So, um, you know, go to USA. Uh, go to go to southeast southeast ntis.com yep. for our for a menu of uh, camps and we're going to do this every year mm-hmm. we're going to set up a month or like six weeks where we're just going to bang out you know camps and clinics for the for the public Pitting clinic, catcher catchers Mongero. that's right yeah yeah we had in. the catcher we had reyes here yeah. with, the, with the catch cam which we've, we sold that one out too yeah. and uh um listen we're you know for the people that know us you know we're not about poaching players or if a player comes in here from a different organization he's right i'm not going to say hey what are you doing in that uniform you need to come play for us it doesn't go that way you know it's it's about benefiting the game and giving the players and families opportunities to get better yeah that's what it that's what it is um so i don't know man to get anything else that was that's uh all i got we're on a roll with our yeah. New Yorkers. I gotta have to go find another no. New Yorker. So any any of you Southern coaches that want to get on, man, jump. Send me a text, dude. We'll bring you on. You need to find a guy from like Mississippi or Alabama. Mississippi or Alabama. Yep. And we gotta get somebody we can understand. Exactly. Right. Like the guy from Waterboy. That's that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Who's that? Wasn't he Bobby Boucher? Yeah. Yeah, Bobby Boucher, Waterboy. So, but uh, all right. Well, one tool, man. Appreciate it, and we thank everybody for listening to Schaefer Baseball Report again. Uh, we will do this next Friday. Yep. Um, and uh, we appreciate the support. Peace out.